The Claude 3 model family by Anthropic is your one-stop shop for enterprise AI. Haiku is lightning fast and cost-effective. Sonnet strikes the perfect balance between skills and speed. And Opus sets new industry benchmarks for intelligence. Learn more at anthropic.com slash Claude. Coming up. Valiant Pharmaceuticals. Did they make a valiant effort to assuage nervous investors? The Federal Reserve has a meeting this week. Will they do anything? And the world's largest company reports earnings. We will tell you what you need to know. Bringing the world to your ears. Award-winning reporters. Original insights. Now, from the newsroom of the Wall Street Journal, Money Beat. Welcome to the Money Beat blog. Today we'll be talking about valiant going public in a way, you might say. Uh, the Fed has a meeting this week and Apple has an earnings report this week. I am Paul Vini. I'm joined by Stephen Grosser, John Carney and Maureen Farrell. And uh, look, l- let's talk about Valiant. I-, I made a little joke there that they went public. They did not have an IPO. This clearly is a company that has had a publicly traded stock for a while, a stock that has been under a rather a lot of pressure. And what happened today, uh, Maureen, and you were, you were listening to it live and, and you guys all were, so everyone jump in, is that the, the company, look, they, they made their case to the public today is what really happened, right? They did, and the response was not good, really. I mean, the stock, we've seen the stock go down about 55% from its high, that it, all-time high hit in August. And it's down, it's been mostly in the red, but it's still down about 1%. I mean, in theory, the bottom could have fallen out today. That was a concern, but it didn't really gain and we're so far the stock is so far down i mean that was the real investor response and some people were expecting them to you know like thought there was a chance that the shares would actually mm-hmm. rebound if you know cuz like one of the problems is that investors really don't have a lot of clarity on how they're using these specialty third party pharmacies um, and investors were demanding clarity. Like they didn't even they didn't even know they were using them up until last Monday. Now they wanted clarity. Um, and the stock. I mean, how much of the stock was down thirty percent last week? Mm-hmm. Um, thirty five percent. I actually think well, the response was incredibly interesting because it's just this muted response of like. People aren't really satisfied, but, but, but they're not hammering. It was, what did they say? So I didn't listen to the conference call, guys. I was busy on my Walking Dead stuff. Uh, someone tell me, what did they actually say on this conference call? So it was a 75-minute call. Most of it was spent addressing their relationship with this company called Philidor RX Services, which one of the revelations of the morning was that Valiant spent $100 million in December 2014 to acquire a right to buy Philidor. And this is a specialty pharmacy through which Valiant sells a lot of a portion of its products. And how much of it? What what portion of its product or what's the revenue stream? Was it like it's roughly around like 6%? Yeah, they said 6 to 7% last this year so far, roughly. Um give or take. So, and they also made the case for why it was not material for accounting purposes. They said um 10%. It, it yeah, it had to be 10% of the company's overall revenue, something else I'm that the it, smallest company well, I think made 900. Yeah, let, let's get exactly. Carney in here. He hasn't said anything. So yet. they 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 tried to explain some of the technical details about how their relationship with this company works and why they weren't under an obligation to disclose it beforehand. What they didn't get at, though, and this is why I think investors are still troubled, is 
why things are set up this way. And that's what worries people is they, they, they we now have a much clearer view and it was a long presentation and they have lots of slides describing how things work between the company and Philidor. But we, what we don't really understand is why are you set up in this way? If, if everything's – and the other thing I would say is also people would, would have thought that given that they had many days to prepare this, that you would have gotten a crystal clear idea about what's going on. And the fear that we still don't understand exactly how this company works, why it's set up the way it is, uh, is still there. They did not dispel that. And, I, and so when, when you ask people – so. Why do they, why is the relationship with Philidor the way it is? People would say, you know, I, I still don't I still don't know. And it seemed like there were, it was just so rife with potential contradictions throughout. I mean, one thing they said was, okay, it's not material uh, for accounting purposes. That's why we never disclosed it before. We're totally fine there. But they said, you know, we we acquired this option to buy Philidor last year, and you should you should all feel really comfortable because our entire management. Um, our audit and risk committee all went to visit it. So it's, you know, why is it, why would everyone on your audit and risk committee go there, but it's not material? They, we went to their headquarters. It just, it raised a lot more questions than wow. it answered. And the thing I want to think about is, Maureen, you're talking about how bad the stock has done since August. This is, this is in my mind, and I'm not as close to this as you guys are, this has become a stock that really is is a confidence play at this point. And if they did not restore confidence this morning, what do they do next? What do they do next to to make the investing public believe that the business model they have, which there has been a lot of questions about, actually can can matter, can can well, be what they're saying it can be? I want to actually get back to one of the points that John was sort of making. They kind of gave an answer to the question of like why this relationship sort of exists. And and, and and their explanation was it sort of was because they wanted to keep it secret. Like the, that's why they hadn't disclosed it. That's why they sort of wanted to keep well, it secret. That doesn't sound like a good thing for a public company to well, say. Well, I mean, and the reason – well, it's a simple it, – this gets to the sort of heart of it. It's this sort of – like what they're asking – they're asking the insurance companies to basically reimburse, pay for these, you know, very expensive drugs. And when there are cheaper alternatives out there, like that's, you know, sort of how it works. And and they don't want the insurance company sort of realizing how much of this is going on. They, you know, if, like, if they had like clearly disclosed this and this was like, you know, sort of a well-known thing, you know, the insurance companies are going to be pushing back hard on this. And not only that, the governments might, you know, might well start pushing back right. on it now that they're looking well, at pricing. One of the things the company has said is that um, keeping this relationship secret was a competitive advantage yes. for them. But they weren't. They they did not explicitly explain what that competitive advantage consists of, and that's troubling because you have to wonder, well, okay, so it's not material, but it's a competitive advantage to keep it secret. So, one, have you lost the competitive advantage since it's no longer secret? Two, what exactly was that competitive advantage, and was it somehow deceiving other players in the market? What what it was made preying on the hope that the insurance companies wouldn't like you know someone who was signing off on this at insurance companies wouldn't realize what they're doing. I mean, and they said that too because that is one of the reasons why selling drugs through 
Philidor is not as profitable as selling it through other chains because there's a certain amount when the insurance companies don't sign off on this and they actually have to take the cost on uh, their books. Let, let, <clears throat> Maureen, I know you're working on the story about this and we're going to let you go after this. So I want to I want to give you the last word before you have to jet out and get back to writing. Uh, you know, what's your final takeaway of what you saw today? So, I mean, we're going to there are going to be a lot more questions raised, a lot more questions answered. I don't think this ends the story by any stretch of the imagination. What's interesting, I mean, we we learned about how little we knew about how Valiant sells its products. What I also found interesting was how little Wall Street analysts knew about this, admittedly, last week, and how how little they were concerned about it. I mean, right now, most analysts still have a buy rating on it. The price target for them is more than 50% above it. Last Monday, they were telling... Me and many other people, don't worry, Philidor is nothing. People are, it's the media is really like ginning this story up. Um, and so far, we haven't seen any more, you know, downgrades, uh, price targets. So I, I think there are just so many questions in this industry, so many questions about Valiant. And I mean, it's a little discomforting to know how yeah, little we always, knew leading up to this. It, it's always a cop-out when you're blaming the media. That is just well, not the way They're not go. just blaming the media. I just want to say they're also attacking the people who had put out the research reports that have da- sure. that have that have been damaging to the company. Also a bad that, sign. That that usually doesn't work right, out well right. when you're attacking your critics. Um, yeah. And when, when you've got to do that, you're probably in trouble. Yeah. All right. Uh, let's wrap it there, Marina. I'll let All you right, get back to your lot. story. Yes, thank you. Thank you. And we will be back in just a second. The Fed meeting this week. What are they going to do? You know what they're going to do, but we'll talk about it anyhow. They're here. All new podcasts from the Wall Street Journal, including What's News? Top stories without the noise. Where does the presidential campaign go from here? Check back for daily updates from the Wall Street Journal. WSJ Podcasts. Listen ambitiously. Now, from the newsroom of the Wall Street Journal. Money Beat. Welcome back to the Money Beat blog. Paul Venia, Stephen Grosser, Kristen Scholler, and heard on the streets, John Carney. Uh, there is a meeting this week, gentlemen and ladies, lady of the Federal Reserve's Federal Open Market Committee, the Rate Setting Policy Board. Uh, highly, highly, no, not really highly contentious. We all know what the Fed's going to do this week, don't we? Don't we, Grosser? Yeah, no, I mean, the question is why should anyone be paying attention to this Fed meeting? We know, or we're pretty much as sure as we can possibly be that they will not be changing rates. Right. Um, but the the real key, I think, is going to be in the language of the statement, as it always is, and how, you know, how dovish the Fed's going to be. Uh, is the Fed going to indicate that, it, you know, that December still is very much on the table? Is it going to in any way, you know, is the language in any way indicate that 2015? It's not on the table. Right, yeah. right, right. And um, I think that's what traders are going to be looking for. Um, the last four weeks, have, we've seen this, you know, basically central bank fueled rally mm-hmm. that has gotten us back above the the August, uh, you know, our, where well, we well were, above the August lows, lows but right, well right, above, right. Where, you know, right, right, we're above where we were when uh, China devalued its right. currency on August tenth. Now, and so you know, the question is, is is, is the Fed going to add some, a little bit more fuel to the fire, and how much can that really uh, carry us through the end of the year? I think there's a lot of focus on how the Fed is currently reading global economic development. So people are going to want to pay like very, very close attention to little things they say about the shape of the labor market and, you know, whether that has, you know, continued to improve or whether improvement has only 
been, you know, slightly improved or, you know, and all, all of those like little tiny words, the adjectives they use to describe various things are going to pe- people pay a lot of attention to, which is a little weird, right? Because the Fed actually doesn't look at a lot more information than what we all get. But there's a kind of secret theory that people have that the Fed knows more and that they have data points that we don't have. They've got some, but mostly they're going off the data we already have. So right. we should all be able to look at the data we've gotten and figure out where the Fed is going to come out. People will read whatever they say. And if they're too negative, people will say, oh, that looks like the economy is in trouble. And uh, and if they're too positive, people will say, oh, that looks like rates are going to go up. Um, and so, you know, it, it you almost it's very hard to predict not just what the Fed's going to do, but yeah. how the market will react. Hey, 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 Chris, Kristen, Kristen, how, how good is the market feeling of, about itself right now? I mean, you know, do, do they 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 do they feel like they have the Fed in their back pocket? I mean, what's the, the sense of, of what you're hearing? Um, you know, I, I think to some extent, yes. Uh, the market certainly has a different viewpoint than Federal, federal Reserve officials do as to when the first rate hike mm. is indeed going to come. I know that the market um, is not pricing it in until 2016, but we've heard Fed officials say over and over again that a rate rise in 2015 still does remain on the table. Um, to John and Stephen's point earlier, there was a key phrase added to the statement last meeting in September that said recent global economic and financial developments may restrain economic activity somewhat and are likely to put further downward pressure on inflation in the near term. I think among traders and other market watchers um, that I've spoken to, any indication in this upcoming statement um, and from the upcoming meeting as to how the global economy may or may not affect the U.S. economy is certainly key. Did not expect you to come with a prepared statement. Very, very good work there. Did not expect you to have that, Kristen. Uh, let, let's switch gears a little bit before we let this thing go, because there is a, a company that a couple of you out there may have heard of called Apple Inc. that is going to report earnings. And this is clearly the most important thing that will get reported in the universe this week. Kristen, uh, you've been looking at this one. W- what should we expect out of the world's most uh, greatest ever magical revolutionary company? That's right. The world's uh, most valuable (laughs) company, that's for sure. Oh, by a Um, long shot, yeah. So uh, analysts surveyed by FactSet are expecting earnings to grow um, $1.87 per share um, in the calendar third quarter. We know that Apple reports this is actually the fiscal fourth quarter for Apple, but it's important to remember that this is the calendar third quarter um, for the company. And iPhone sales are expected to drive those profits as they usually do. Uh, profits will include uh, launch weekend of the the new iPhone success and 6s plus models which debuted at the end of September that launch um, is key in the sense that it also the product was simultaneously uh, debuted in China as well for the first time so that certainly boosted results in that opening weekend which were more than 13 uh, million units so the street is generally bullish on Apple results and if you look at tech earnings uh, tech the tech sector is expected to report positive earnings to the tune of a little more than 2%. If you strip Apple out of that, um, earnings for the sector would actually decline by 3%. So wow. Apple is expected to be the largest contributor to tech earnings and the second biggest positive contributor to overall S&P sure. 500 earnings behind Bank of America. Who, who in this studio has the new iPhone? You have it, right, Grocer? I Let's do. hold yeah. them up. 
Let's, you, you have it too, Kristen? Right here. Oh, my God. I'm, I'm, I'm way behind the times. I'm I, I've got an old Barney, iPhone. You... I like the palm feel of the old iPhone. But um, I, I, what I'm going to watch very closely in Apple's earnings is how has China's slowdown affected sales? Mm-hmm. Um, the, the company sells a lot of devices in China. That's important to it. We don't know the impact of, uh, of how the slowdown would have affected either the new iPhones, the old iPhones, just products across the board. Watching that, if, for instance, if it hurts Apple more than people expect, I think you might get some people worrying about the, the stock price going forward. Uh, remember, it is down uh, in most recently. It's up for the year, yeah. but it's down over the last few weeks, partly on this concern of China. If China hits harder than people expect and if, if sales in China fall off even further, I think people might get a little bit more skeptical about uh, Apple stock, at least in the short term. And, we, and you have to also remember, too, that from here on forward, Apple faces tough comparisons um, because, you know, quarter over quarter um, or right. year you over year. You mean year over year. Yeah, right, right, right. Year over year. Because, you know, the iPhone 6, not the newest one, went on sale last uh, September. And that was a very, very different very phone where this one is sort of the, you know, a little um, tweak update. It's an S. Yes. Um, so, so, like, that's going to, you know, mean that gave that was a huge shot in the arm for Apple um, last September and carried over the quarter after quarter. The real question is, you know, is how well is Apple uh, from now on going to be able to really be the driver of uh, earnings mm-hmm. growth for the S&P? But I, I think there might be a little – people are a little forgiving, right? Like, they know that the product cycle – are a good. lot forgiving no, but, when it comes but, to Apple. But I think they also know the product cycle – feeds in a certain way, right? So they know that every other year you're going to get a big boost in sales as Apple turns out the new product. If that ever breaks down, by the way, that's the thing that's going to hurt the stock. If when Apple releases the brand new phone and people shy away, that's going to well, really Well, that was what them. was happening sort of between in that period of up until last September. Right. Like the, it, it wasn't getting that boost from the product cycle. Um, that it had typically gotten right. So, but so this is like the midway product cycle where people don't expect yeah. sales to be explosive. That's probably decelerated the growth. Not that sales shrunk, but just not growing at yeah. quite the same rate. Uh, and I think people will be okay with that. Yeah. All right, uh, Kristen. Last word. What do you think about that? What, what, what's your gut feeling about what we're going to see tomorrow? I just think to put it in perspective, um, I think John's right in terms of, you know, sales may be decelerating, but for the S&P 500 as a whole, which is actually expected to report a decline on earnings, Apple would be a bright spot. Yeah. All right. Let's leave it there. I want to thank you guys. I want to thank you, gentlemen and lady. Uh, that is the Money Beat podcast. You can find more <coughs> on the Money Beat blog, of course. And if you want to find this podcast or other ones uh, just like it, go to WSJ.com or iTunes. Everyone, we will talk to you very soon. Thanks for listening. WSJ Podcasts. Listen ambitiously. This message comes from Viking, committed to exploring the world in comfort. Journey through the heart of Europe on an elegant Viking longship with thoughtful service, destination-focused dining, and cultural enrichment on board and on shore. And every Viking voyage is all-inclusive with no children and no casinos. Discover more at Viking.com.